Now, over the next few minutes, I want to touch upon a worrying topic. On Sunday, Joey Lynch tweeted that he was the only journalist in attendance covering Melbourne victory against Perth Glory at Amy Park. One journalist covering the biggest club in the country. Up until recently, you'd have struggled to get a seat in that press box. Now, over the last few few years, of course, this has been a trend as the number of football-specific media has been reduced to microscopic levels. They've been reduced to the margins, moved to other sports, stripped of their livelihoods to the point where those left in the mainstream, at least, can almost be counted on the fingers of one hand. The ones that remain find themselves largely either in the employ employ of those who hold media rights, myself included, or by the people who run the game. Truly independent football media is almost non-existent. This is a reality generally too. In Western societies, the growing influence of big business and dwindling revenues has left the fourth estate increasingly at the behest of financial considerations. Democracy is the loser, of course, when editorial integrity is compromised. Little wonder the term fake news is in vogue. And so the contribution of the rump that is left of the football media is especially important to the health of the sport. With or without conflict of interest, we must try to properly uphold the tenets of journalism, to report without fear or favour and hold those in power to account, to offer opinions that challenge, not cheerlead. That exchange of ideas is the bedrock of a healthy game, of a functioning democracy. All of which is why part of an article by Gerard Waitley got me rather hot under the collar last week. Now, Waitley's piece centred around the APL's decision to rearrange the incomplete Melbourne derby on Wednesday night after the trouble in December. Now, on that issue specifically, I've got no problem with his opinion. It's a legitimate point of view, and as I said, opinions should be welcome. I tweeted afterwards that my biggest gripe was this quote. It didn't happen in isolation. Some of the most prominent voices in the sport had created an atmosphere of volatility over the governing body's decision to sell the A-League Grand Final to Sydney. That ginned-up environment produced the worst imaginable hooliganism. Well, sorry, but this is incorrect. The press release issued by APL on the 12th of December went out early that morning By the time of the official press conference in the afternoon, the backlash was so strong that the club's CEOs, who'd been due to attend and offer Danny Townsend, the CEO, their moral support, had run for cover and opted not to go. I know, I hosted it. Players such as Craig Goodwin, who'd been used in the video to promote the venture, issued statements to distance themselves from the decision too. The football media, such as it is, It dutifully reported these events and only got around to offering opinions in the aftermath of the anger later in the day. The fury was organic, not concocted by the media. That the APL chose to announce the news in the week of the Melbourne Derby, one of the biggest games of the season, was on them, not the media. For what it's worth, here was my take later that day. I get the need for money and for the need to be bold. It might work, who knows? But for me... This is a misreading of the room and will alienate a lot of supporters, especially, but not exclusively, those from interstate. Hardly a call to arms. And I don't know one football journalist who call for pitch invasions and violence. There is a broader issue here. It's the widely held expectation that football media types should stay quiet on big issues. Know your place in the landscape. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Live the big, leave the big opinion stuff to the big boys, you know, the ones who cover AFL, rugby league and cricket. 
This view, sadly, is one that prevails inside many parts of our game too, and it's why it's time to tackle this head on. The last few years have seen these pressures increase to almost unmanageable levels, as I know to my cost. I was one of those journalists who felt it during the governance war. I was leaned upon heavily to either present the official view of those in power at the time or else say nothing at all. Ultimately, because I refused to buckle to that pressure, I was barred from writing football opinions, opinions at all. So much for a free press. Now, more recently, while I'm glad to report that neither Channel 10 nor SEN have placed any such restrictions on me, the same cannot be said from some within the game. I've had the angry late-night phone calls, the abusive and unsolicited messages, sometimes even during commentary, by the way, and tweets questioning my integrity from those who should know better. One club, during my hiatus from full-time employment, even attempted to prevent me from doing some paid work for Football Australia due to something I'd said during a podcast 12 months previously. That's how insidious it can be. Now, more concerningly, this week, I've had contact from two people in the football media who've reached out for some advice. One has been the subject of angry private text messages. Another has received death threats. Yep, that's plural. Others have had similar experiences. If they speak out, they are berated and sometimes ostracised. A few years ago, one even had accreditation for a major event withdrawn on the back of something they'd written. All of that is not acceptable. Journalists are not beyond reproach, of course. We have guidelines to work to. Defamation laws are strong. We don't always get it right, and we're not beyond criticism. But neither are those employed in the game. There are commercial interests to take into consideration. We are constantly walking the fine line between promoting the game and covering it honestly. And we know we're like referees. Everyone thinks we're biased. And everyone believes they can do a better job. But every football media person I know loves this game, wanted to succeed and wants to help. And sometimes you help the one you love by telling them uncomfortable truths. That's always been one of the pillars of journalism, speaking truth to power. Every other sport has people with strong opinions that drive debate. Yet when football people do it, it seems to make people uncomfortable. The football media didn't fan the flames of discontent. The fans, players, coaches, even the club's CEOs did that themselves. And anyone thinking football supporters take their lead from journalists seriously do not know this game at all. To suggest it was us who incited fans to riot is wrong and only further encourages people within the game to view our role as being mere cheerleaders. It's not our job, as so many state, to get behind the game. It's to cover it honestly, good, bad or indifferent. And if the game can't handle that, then the end result will be more empty press boxes right around the country. Because ultimately, in terms of jobs, it's not been coaches, players or administrators who've paid the heaviest price for the game's failures. It's been us. Awesome.